They told him he wasn't good enough, he wasn't smart enough, he wasn't rich enough, he wasn't going to succeed, but he didn't let that stop him. And now, with a passion for what's best for kids and for his new home community in Tiffin, Ohio, Jim Grubbs is making a difference one kid at a time. Folks, get ready for some goosebumps. They're on their way next. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And so let's get cooking. Welcome to Dash of Grit and a little bit of things about grit. Grit happens every day and a lot of times we're not even paying attention to it. And we just do our hard work and we do our jobs every single day. My guest today is in the middle of some grit as he leads a school district and a wonderful community back to school during some really challenging times. He is a 22-year administrative professional. Uh, he's been at Mansfield City Schools, Pioneer Career Center, Galleon City Schools. He's now the new superintendent and new adds a whole level of grit to his uh, job at the Tiffin City School System. And Jim Grubbs is our guest today on A Dash of Grit. Jim, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, and, and, and it's a pleasure to be here. And also, just again, thank you for providing me this opportunity to share a little bit about my past and uh, about my successes and the challenges that lie ahead. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be interesting to hear because I know there are challenges coming and I know there have been successes in the past. And the, the fact that you're giving me the time now to talk about it a little bit and to inform the communities about things that you believe in and things that you're doing is tremendous. And I really do appreciate it. And it's going to be very informational for everyone listening. So before we get started, before we get into the grit, which is the hard part, which is what this show is about, take a moment and tell us who Jim Grubbs is. Maybe talk about the successes in your life, the passions that you have, the things that really make you tick and that you care about, and, and show us kind of what successes look like for you uh, as an administrator. Well, without going too deep into my, I'll, I'll call my past uh, as a uh, growing up as a, a child, uh, other than to say that I grew up in poverty and um, was not necessarily very successful in school uh, for various reasons. And so I won't go into a lot of that, but it, it, that is really what drives me to where I'm at and why I'm here today. Basically, for um, lack of words, a, a guidance counselor told me I wasn't smart enough to you know, go into machine trades a, as a student. And so um, since then, I think I've been out to prove everyone wrong uh, and to then uh, provide opportunities for students like me that maybe didn't fit the traditional mold. And so you're going to hear me talk about breaking the mold of the traditional educational practices. Uh, with that, uh, that's what, again, drives me to create an environment, create opportunities for kids to be successful based on a passion they have for whatever career they choose and not based on earnings that they will make. So uh, that's kind of what drives me uh, and, and causes me to do what I do every day and, and love what I do uh, every day. And sometimes when I think about administration, I think about schools, it's a business, right? There's, there's, there's nuts and bolts that have to be created. Is it more for you about making sure the school system operates effectively, or is it more about kids coming out the other side ready to go? Both are very important, but which, which is what drives you? Well, that's an interesting question. I think at the end of the day, it's a balance. Uh, obviously, the number one thing we have to always do is do what's best for kids. 
I mean, that's it, that needs to be our bottom line decision. But on the other side of that, we need to be fiscally responsible in making decisions uh, as that's what our community would expects. And uh, I try to make sure that we're always looking at, you know, everything from our utility bills to uh, our purchases to make sure that we're being fiscally responsible. But on the other side, making sure that we're providing all the opportunities that we can for kids for them to be successful. Very good. So let's 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 get into what it takes to be successful, and that's going to get us right into the heart of this. That's going to get us right into the grid. And and I know you and I have known each other for a long time, and I've been proud to know you, and I know your heart for kids. I also know, uh, even you just shared it. You you grew up with trying times. People told you you couldn't do it. Career education, you know, was was you know the only path or whatever it might be. And you see things a little bit different. And I was thinking, you know, perhaps you can start the show. Talk to us a little bit about the the challenges you see in making sure that every child has the the best opportunity to education and not just form fit into you know churning them out. Kind of give us your your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I I I still say today that traditional education does not look a whole lot different than it probably did fifty years ago when we mm. sat in classrooms. In fact, Boy, everything else in, looks different, doesn't it? <laughs> absolutely. And I, I walked into one of our buildings uh, earlier this summer and almost brought chills to me sitting there going, wow, this looks just like my first grade classroom. Hmm. And there it was all set up the exact same way, the desk in rows, the stuff on the walls. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, we've not changed much. Hmm. Um and so um, with that, I, I keep saying we need to break that mold of the traditional educational practices in not just that way, but in other ways as well. And I go back to my fight um, that I say, when I say fight, trying to equalize career tech vocational education with the traditional education. Back in the 90s, I was in this, uh, I, I, we had an academic oversight committee uh, and career technical education, as an example, was not a weighted class. So if they would have, a student would say, hey, I want to take vocational machine trades because it's CNC programming, computerized programming. I get to learn in that, that class. It sounds something very interesting to me. I was never going to ever recruit a top 10, 20% of the class into that program because it was not a weighted class. And what so does that why, mean, a weighted class? Jim? So the if kids who want to be the valedictorian or salutatorian or top 10 will take weighted classes that have a two-point weight factor so that yeah. their A now equals eight points where the student in CNC programming only gets four. They yeah. only get an, an A is four points. And to really, that, that's a disservice to kids because now we're, we're discouraging kids to go the path that they may want to go. And let's, so let's I just go ahead that. and say it, Jim. Let's just go ahead and say it because I think this frames the conversation. Career education always used to be and maybe still is seen as where those kids go or not for uh, others. And, and it was a, a, a separation. And, and what you're talking about here is let's make career education not only great for Again, to use the phrase "those kids," but let's make it great for all, and let's and let's let's find a spot for every student. Is that kind of what you're talking about here? 
Absolutely. Okay. I, I don't think we should put barriers in way for a kid who wants to go to college or a kid who wants to go into uh, being an auto mechanic uh, or the aircraft mechanic. Uh, I think we need to provide opportunities that will allow kids to seek out uh, their passion. Yeah. And what and so what are you doing? What, what have you done and what are you doing to to make that a reality? Because that's tough. That's a that's a hard mold to break in education. Well, I, you know, I guess my next step then in, in my career is when I moved on to Pioneer from Mansfield City. And when I got to Pioneer, we had about 600 and some kids attending Pioneer. And we thought, wow, we have room capacity for well over a thousand, which we moved to that in within about three to four years, maybe five, uh, that we got to that capacity by changing uh, the way we, one, promoted career technical education, two, by changing our courses. Um, For some reason, we were driven to create coursework designed around uh, a program. So a machine shop student, for an example, would take machine shop math. Machine shop math. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and so auto tech kid maybe took auto tech math. Oh, gosh. Uh, And so, well, that on the surface may sound okay, but what it did not do is it did not prepare the kid maybe for college because maybe after high school taking machine shop, they decide they want to go into a two year college. Now they've not been now they've not been ready or they're not ready for it. So we had to change that and we changed it and we used traditional courses, example, algebra, geometry, and we got to offering calculus and physics and chemistry, those type of courses at a career center, which would never been done before. And now you were able to track some students who said, hey, I can go there uh, and say in cosmetology, get a job after high school, pay my way through college and be ready for college because they offered these courses at their career center. So we changed that landscape. And then we also then started offering career tech programming that uh, students who would go on to a four-year college would take an example, exercise science and sports medicine, when probably 90% of the kids who sign up for that course is planning on pursuing a four-year degree. Mm-hmm. So making career tech uh, uh, an option then for kids that would not have a barrier or prevent them from going on to further education. So, Jim, why is this so important to you? Why is what you could have just sat in the mold been a good administrator, taking care of career ed, taking care of the the traditional routes, and not rock the boat a little bit. And yet, you chose to rock the boat and make these things happen. That's hard work, and it's not always perfectly rewarding. What drove you? What's so important that this gets fixed? Uh, that that drove you to show that grit as you were going through your time. Well, I, I it really goes back to uh, uh, my students when I first got into teaching career tech. I had the traditional students that I would be given that were the ones that those kids needed to go out to see me. I was not even on the campus of our high school, Hmm. and it was still those kids became my kids. And anytime one of those kids Hmm. would do something wrong, it was your kid that did it wrong. And then I started recruiting because I coached at the same time. So I started recruiting kids to be in my class. And when I had those kids come to me during football season and say, coach, the guidance counselor said, I can't be in your classroom. I, I just can't do that, coach, because I, I, I want to go to college. 
So the guidance counselor said, you can't go do that because you have to go to college. Okay. Yes. So continue. Okay. And so then that drove me to say, well, well wait a second. Yeah. I'm, they're wrong. They're wrong. Yeah. Not only they're wrong. I'm going to tell you what, young man, I'm going to get you a job and that company will pay your way through college. And I have a long list of students who that happened for. And so they graduated from college with not only associate degrees, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, all paid for uh, by companies that they work for. And now they're not in debt for the rest of their life. Uh, so it's, it, it's, that's very rewarding. And again, that's what drives me to make sure that we're providing opportunities for all kids. In that moment, can you remember, and I'm sure there were 10 or 100 of those same moments, but in that moment when you're able to make that difference or at some point later on, how does that make you feel? What goes through your mind as you're shaping that student's future? You're helping them to make a decision that will affect the rest of their life, not knowing how it will end. But what does that mean to you when you're in that position? I, I, I usually get teary-eyed when I start thinking about those because I uh, definitely get some chill bumps because that's when I know I've been successful. And that's how I measure my success uh, not on, you know, I put something in place, or, but how, what was the outcome of the kids I impacted? I'll use initials KD. Uh, I love to tell KD stories. She was a young lady as I was an administrator who was sent to my office 27 times on misconduct notices. Everybody, I think, in the entire school wanted me to expel her. I kept saying there's something about this young lady that's, that's she has grit. And so the following year, I made her an office monitor, and I was told, what are you doing? She can't be an office monitor. She's not a good kid. I said, she's in my office all the time. I might as well make her a monitor. <laughs> well, the end of, end, it, it goes on for two more years, but at the end of the story, she graduates from Toledo University with her master's degree in administration for healthcare administration and works for Cardinal Health as a very successful young uh, minority lady. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm very proud of her. So yeah. that's why we do what we do is for those kids that don't have that uh, champion that they can lean on. And I think of, of those things that you've been able to accomplish and you talk about chills, you're giving them to me. And I imagine some of the folks that are watching and listening now have them too. What kinds of things have you learned over time? How will you bring some of those experiences to Tiffin? I know this is your first year at Tiffin. You've got your own set of challenges. We can talk about COVID later. I'm thinking more of the students at Tiffin. How will, what needs to happen there that you're excited about impacting, uh, kind of based along the same lines you've talked about so far? Well, one of the things I know that is, uh, first of all, we'll start out by saying what a great staff we have here. Um, I've learned very quickly that I think we have an amazing staff, a great, a great administrative team who uh, have, in a very short time period, uh, gotten me up to date with many of the things that are happening. I'm excited to know that uh, we have changed our mindset here because I, the mindset at one time was not to send a lot of kids to career and technical education. And now we have busing running back and forth to Sentinel frequently. And I think that's very uh, rewarding on my end. Also know that Amy Wood, who has done a great job, she's uh, one of our central office administrators, working with business and industry leaders, along with Pat Smith, who's actually this, the main, I said the office receptionist secretary here, who's worked with business advisory councils to really get 
a lot of involvement from our business community. So those are things that I'm excited about making, uh, continue to look at how that can grow. And one thing that I've not been able to be successful at and, and hope that I can be successful at here is putting in internships. Mm-hmm. Uh, for students to have opportunities to uh, spend some time, whether it's an hour and a half, two hours a day in businesses, and just really oh. get to figure out, is that something you really want to do? So oh, that so is something. You're, so you're trying to in, improve the relationships within the business community as well and trying to generate some opportunities for your students to impact and see real life uh, work situations, things like that. Absolutely. I, I think that's so critical. Uh, again, I think we uh, we almost have blinders on our kids when it comes to what's available in their own backyard. And I think a lot of times students actually leave and go off to college and never come back. And especially in rural America, we, we have a challenge with our, you know, we have the, some of our best and brightest leave and never come back. And so how can we open up the lens a little bit so that they can have that opportunity to see what's in their backyard and provide them learning opportunities uh, that would say, hey, you know what, when I get my engineering degree, I'm coming back to Tiffin, Ohio, because company X has a position I really am interested in. Mm. And so your passion, let me make, let me get this right. I see a circle in my head. Your passion is for kids and your passion is to make sure that those kids leave school ready to go whether it be college, whether it be career, whatever it might be, ready to go so that, and here's the part that you don't have to take on, right, Jim, because it's not in your job responsibility, but so that they will come back, start businesses, support businesses, be a part of the community and grow Tiffin as a whole. In other words, generating more students, all the, the it, it kind of cycles through. Is, is that, did I strike on the vision here a little bit? It's exactly that. I, I you know, again, I, I, I don't know who phrased this statement or whatever, but I've learned it that either you're growing or you're dying. And if you say you're staying the same, you're lying. And so we have to find ways to grow. And, and if a community, you show me a community that's dying, I'll show you a community has high poverty and a lot of issues. And you show me a community that's growing, they're going to be thriving. And that's something we need to make sure that we're trying to do, uh, whether it be Tiffin or, you know, my previous district, Galleon. And that's our whole focus was how do we make sure, again, students are being offered the opportunity to do what they have a passion for, but yet trying to bring them back home to continue to grow the community. So so let's let's transfer a little bit. We talked about you, we talked about what you're passionate about. We've gone through that very clearly. And I think it's for the very best success when someone leaves the doors at, at Tiffin School, uh, whatever that might be. But there's, there's a whole other challenge that faces you currently, which is prepping the school, prepping the students, making sure they're taken care of, making sure the community's safe from this, this COVID pandemic that we're, we're dealing with. Can you talk to me a little bit about the struggles and the grit that that's taken from you and your staff to get this thing right so that the kids can learn well and the community can thrive? Well, I, I think uh, in anyone who pays attention to the governor's news releases, usually a couple times a week, initially almost daily, uh, that would understand that every time that they came out from whether the Department of Health or whether it be the governor's office, the many challenges that we face as a district with, no, I would say, no decision being made and or leaving the decision up to local uh, school districts, local communities to make decisions on what they're doing with COVID. and then you get something ready and then all of a sudden here comes another order out that says, oh, you can't do it this way. Mm. Example, our face shields that we initially were told that would be useful and we could use 
district spent thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars on those to only find out they couldn't use them. So those, that was probably the biggest challenge throughout the summer was the not knowing and then the constant change of what direction we were headed. But I want, you know, I I give a lot of educators around the state, I applaud them for all the efforts they've done and knock on wood. I don't think we've had a large outbreak in any community. So the things we've done is provide obviously uh, as much spacing as we can uh, our staff has made sure that every classroom, every space that kids are going to be used is being disinfected properly. Uh, we're, our custodial maintenance staff has done a great job. They've purchased lots of equipment, lots of supplies. And so at the end of the day, we're going to do everything we can to keep our kids safe. We've also you know, obviously created an academy, an online academy, which has brought a lot of challenges on for our staff that are operating that that academy, but it gave parents a choice for those who did not feel comfortable sending their kids back to school. I think those are the two critical pieces that those who did come back, we we're providing a clean, safe, healthy environment. And for those who decided that they didn't want to take that risk, we provided them opportunities. I want to, I'm, I'm running a little bit out of time, but I really want to dive into one thing you just mentioned. You mentioned that as you became the superintendent, like these folks in Tiffin are learning who you are even now in these first weeks of school. And yet, your job was to open school. And you just said that the biggest problem was that you couldn't get clear direction. You couldn't get clear approval. You're spending thousands of dollars on things that couldn't be used. I mean, it was constant hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. And I'm interested very deeply in how a brand new superintendent is able to grab the reins as a leader and get things done in that kind of environment. If you can look back to the, the summer how did you overcome all those hurdles? How were you able to open the school effectively as you did, as your staff did as well? How did you, how did you navigate that minefield? How'd you get it done? Well, first of all, I, I give a lot of credit to my staff. I mean, a, a administrative staff who uh, one was willing to jump right in. Uh, they knew from the get-go when we first met that we had a lot of things to accomplish in a short period of time. And many people took on uh, different, almost different roles than they had prior to me getting here. Uh, Jennifer Kuhn, as, as an example, she's the curriculum director, but kind of took her curriculum hat off and put on, I'm going to open a brand new school. And what was that new school? The Tornado Academy, online academy. And so people being willing to step up and take on those uh, challenges that were, were given to us made my job much easier. And I, I, I became the coach in a way. And I, I think all of us as leaders are coaches. And so I became that coach and helped provide those supports and feedbacks that everyone needed to make those decisions. And uh, so, again, I'm going to take my hat off to my team who've worked extremely hard. Yeah. Very good. And so if, if, uh, if, if the last question here, those who want to know about you and, and those who are only going to listen, they're not going to call, they're not going to dig, but they're listening right now. And they're just meeting you in these first few weeks of school. What's one thing you want them to know about Jim Grubbs as a leader and perhaps even about the Tiffin City Schools now with Jim Grubbs as a leader that you want, if you can only tell them one thing, remember this, what would that be? I, I want to say with transparency is what we're going to, uh, and uh, that we're here and I'm here to build trust with our community and that uh, we will be transparent and that we were going to do what's best for our kids, period. When it comes right down to it, that's all that matters, isn't it? Yes. Well done, Jim. If people want to reach out to you, if people want to talk to you about anything you said today or anything you're doing at the schools or just in general, just to talk to a great man and a great coach, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, Jim 
underscore grubs, G-R-U-B-B-S at Tiffin City Schools with an S on there, dot org. Phone number 419-447-2515. Fantastic. And I hope that people will understand what a job it has been for Jim and his team to over the summer during a extremely trying time to put these things together in, in very quick and very good fashion and to be successfully operating the schools now in Tiffin for Tiffin community and, and for the students that are part of it. So thank you very much, Jim, for all of that. And thank for you. today being a guest with me on Dash of Grid, I really do appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. And best of luck to you. I do want to tell you a little bit about uh, Spire Advertising. Dash of Grid is brought to you by Spire. We create digital marketing campaigns and website platforms that drive success for business leaders and organizational leaders like Tiffin Schools and others that, that are trying to make a difference in a community. We add the grit. Uh, we'd like to say. So if you'd like to learn more about Spire, just visit our website at spiread.com. If you click on the contact sales button, I will answer. That's what I do. I'm Brian Leffelag, Director of Sales with Spire Advertising. Thank you again to my friend Jim Grubbs, uh, Superintendent of Tiffin City Schools. We appreciate your part on a dash of grit. It's an acquired taste in your recipe for success. Thank you for listening. We'll do it again. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.